Hello everyone, it's Paul Miller and I'm the host of Free Time Free Spill. And today's gonna be an amazing show. You're gonna be blown away with today's guests. And we're gonna be talking about fitness. We're gonna be talking about her career. And her name is Fitz. Fitz Kohler. Kohler, yes. It's a a short name, but it's a mouthful. Fitz Kohler. Yes. And so how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Very, very happy to be on your show so we can spill for free. Yes, man. Free time. It's been <laughs> my right. free, time. free time. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's talk about your career. Like, Yeah. So what do I do? Um, I'm a fitness expert. I've been teaching fitness for decades now. I started when I was 15 and um, I do a lot of things. Well, yeah, I do a lot of things that allow me to laser focus on one thing, which is helping folks live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. So I hit people with hard science, um, a simple way to eat wisely, exercise often, um, achieving your ideal weight without selling anyone diets, pills, powders, supplements, wraps, or snake oils, or lies. I just tell the truth. And um, I tell it with a smile on my face. Sometimes I'm abrasive, but (laughs) that's okay. Often people need a kick in the can when it comes to fitness. And I'm more than happy to provide a kick in the can to anyone who needs it. I also am a professional race announcer. So um, I host some of the largest, most prestigious running events in the country. In fact, some of them are the uh, most prestigious in the world. So Los Angeles Marathon, Big Sur, Buffalo Marathon, Philadelphia Marathon, OC Marathon, Uh, the DC Wonder Woman and Batman run series. So I travel around the country making happy noise, bossing people around and celebrating their accomplishments. That's amazing. Cause like I was, I was, I was reading on your, on your website and you've done a lot of things. You have a lot of experience and like, you're so motivated to do all these things. You know what, when you do what you love, it's easy to keep um, going, you know, I'm, a, I, I do what I love. I found this perfect profession for me. It's what I'm most passionate about. And you put that together with a, um, abominable spirit. You know, I'm a hunter. I want more every day. I want more events to host. I want more corporate speaking engagements so I can teach more people. And I overall want more people to help. And I, I want them here in the country and I want to shake the mountains in Afghanistan and grab those people and teach them how to be healthy too. I just, I want, I want it all. I want everyone. Yeah. Like you, you, you work with a lot of people and like I was, I was reading, like you work with so many people, like kids and like, it's so many people that you impacted. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love children. I have my before school walking running program. It's called the morning mile. And I have that in over 400 schools worldwide. And it's just uh, schools give their kids 30 minute window before school to get out there and walk or run laps. Every child's invited every day along with their families and the school faculty. And we don't really set a target for them. We just welcome them, make it fun with music. We make it rewarding. And uh, we unleash these kids. And so many of them, little guys even, are doing six, 700 miles a year. So um, it makes me happy because I know these kids will hopefully have a better shot at growing up to be healthy adults. And they won't have to deal with, you know, diets and all the nonsense many grownups have to face when they don't learn how to do things the right way. And then of course, Um, I just 
got done beating up on breast cancer and that wasn't a good time, but I absolutely made the best of it. And now I have my new book out. It's called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. Wow. And I I'm proud that I was able to stay noisy from you know, the day I found my lump through diagnosis and through all sorts of horrible treatment experiences, I got to continue doing what I do. So yeah, I, I, I love life. I love, I love being here. I'm grateful for it. You, you, you came a long ways and like way, way to go. Cause like, that's, that's tough. Like, like uh, my mom, she, she had uh, something like that. Like uh, it was like around 2008 or something like that. And like, but she, she wanted, like, she's, she's, She's still uh, working and stuff. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. Yeah, for the most part, breast cancer is very survivable now. It's 94% of people diagnosed with breast cancer um, survive. So that's a wonderful statistic. However, the bad one is one in eight women are diagnosed. So when it's 15% uh, of the population and you're losing 6% of that number, that's, it's a pretty big deal. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that I had a type that was curable and I'm so glad your mom was too. Cause not, yeah. I, the only thing worse than losing a mom would be losing your kid. Yeah. Uh, my grandma, uh, my grandma had, uh, she, she died of breast cancer in 96. They okay. said her like, she was like Indian and she had like good hair and it was black. And like, I was playing her hair, like when it got curly, cause after cancer it grew back and then yeah. like, it got curly and it, she told me to stop playing in the hair. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, the hair thing, I had almost two feet of hair. My hair came down to my waist and I loved it. It, it didn't define me. It wasn't who I was. It just, but I, I loved it. And I'm, I like to be a girly girl. Right. So the thought of going bald was very, painful and it was a heart-wrenching uh, process but I learned to live this is who I was for the moment and um, one day someone confused me and a, a guy I was at a coffee shop and he said hey buddy what can I get you and then he said oh, you're a ma'am and I, and that was devastating the fact that someone actually thought I was a guy so I thought I looked like a guy and then it was he really he thought I was a sir so I have not left the house without lipstick since that day. I always wear a very bright pink or berry or red lipstick just so there's no confusion, but I'm happy to have some hair back. It's, it's still in the weird process of growing, but um, you know, whatever. I have some. Great. Thank you. And uh, with the fitness, like what got you started into fitness? I, like I, I was reading about it. Like what got you started into the fitness and being an announcer? Yeah. So always was, I grew up playing sports and uh, all sorts of sports, you name it, I played it. And then I had knee, knee surgery from a uh, getting tackled, playing soccer, went to physical therapy. And that PT told me I had to join a gym to do strength training, or I was going to re-injure my knee. So I did, I joined the gym and I kind of fell in love with strength training. And then I was taking classes and I thought those instructors were cool. And I was 14 at the time and I was working at Cinnabon and uh, making cinnamon rolls, gaining weight in the back by eating all the frosting. And my manager was really cranky. So I decided to quit, uh, leave Cinnabon and get a job at the gym. And, you know, uh, I applied on a Tuesday or interviewed on a Tuesday. And the guy said, have you ever taught classes before? I said, no. And he goes, well, how about you come in and teach one on Friday? And thankfully I'm a gamer. Cause I just said, okay, I'll give it a go. And I did, and it wasn't half bad. 
And I just continue to improve from there on out, teaching more and more. And I think I was 20 where I got a job on a cruise ship teaching over in Russia and Europe. And then at, when I came home from that, there was a TV producer casting for a fitness TV show and I auditioned and he chose me. And, you know, my career just kind of spiraled, but what, where it continued to go into was mass media. You know, if you work in a health club, you know, usually you can hit 50 people at a time max, however big your fitness studio is, that's how many people you get. But when I was on television, I could teach to thousands at a time. And I, I had strangers reaching out wherever I was. Oh, I love your show. I've lost 15 pounds and so forth. And that really meant a lot. And then I started writing articles and um, I was a competitive kickboxer for 10 years. And the first article I wrote for a, a national magazine was called How to Kick People in the Head. And so I used my fitness savvy to teach people how to get strong enough to lift their legs high, more flexible enough to get their legs to go up that high. And then I taught them the strategy. And it's not just about kicking people in the head. It's about tricking them into getting them to move their face or their head into your foot. So I wrote that article. And soon after I got a letter, I think it was about two weeks after I wrote uh, the article was published from a guy in Kentucky. He wrote a handwritten letter. And he said, Fitz, thank you so much for writing that article. I've been doing, you know, combat sports or martial arts for years. This is the first time I kick someone in the head. And I thought, yay, I got to help someone kick someone in the head in Kentucky. And I really just fell in love with mass media. You know, I get to affect or impact so many people because of these great tools, including this podcast. So thank you for having me on. Everyone I get to reach matters. Yes, ma'am. You have you have like a lot of uh, work that you've done, like charitable work, and like let's talk about that. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, one thing. Some sometimes people have a lot of money to throw at a cause, and that's wonderful. And I make smaller donations. I'm not a multimillionaire like some of our our uh, philanthropists, but I've always felt it's important to give of my time and of my skills. And so I normally get involved with, um, there's a few things. I like health causes, you know, American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association. I've worked with all sorts of cancer causes. Anything that benefits sick children, of course, um, makes my heart bleed. And then I, I do love to take care of our veterans and our first responders. They're, you know, I'm so grateful to be an American. And so anytime I get to help those guys or gals, I, I like to do that. And you've been in news. I've seen like you was like at the Staples Center and you like it was a big marathon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So uh, that was the Wonder Woman race in Los Angeles. And we it was actually. Um, I'm trying to think November. Yeah. Yeah. We still had Kobe here. That was pre Kobe's passing because I, I was at the Staples Center another time after. But um. Yeah, that we the Wonder Woman race. We had the entire Staples Center courtyard for our expo, and you know our setup. Our main stage was over there, and then I took people from the main stage. And I think we had ten thousand athletes, and I wow. brought them out into the road in front of the um, Staples Center. If anyone wants to see it, if you go to fitness.com, that's F I T Z N E S S N E S S, and on the top corner, on the top menu bar, it says race announcing. If you click there, you'll see me. And what's wonderful about that race is, you know, yes, it's about going 3.1 miles or 10.2, whatever distances we had that day, but it's really about being a part of this really fun 
the entire country putting on events everywhere. And almost all of our athletes come out dressed as Wonder Woman. They're dressed in red and royal blue and, you know, white stars and gold bling. And even our men come out dressed as Wonder Woman or they show up dressed as Superman. But for me, it's beautiful because, you know, A, people are really easy to get uh, amped up. You know, I could basically sneeze into the microphone and people would say, woo, they lose their mind. Um, but it's a beautiful site with the uniformity of color. Cause you know, in normal races, people wear whatever they wear, but at our Wonder Woman events, it's that sea of red and blue and, uh, in bat our Batman events, so much black, you know, it's, uh, the dark night everywhere. But then we also have people that come dressed, decked out as the Joker or the Riddler or the, you know, the bad girls of DC comics is they're really fun events. And, and here's the thing is I use the term running, but I use that very loosely. They are races and, you know, obviously running is a good thing, but we also fully support people who want to come and just walk the whole way. There's no obligation to bend your knees. And there is someone from every walk of life. We've got, you know, men and women and people who will have some sort of in-between. We've got every person from every color. We've got every fitness level, all ages, little kids and the very, very elderly and, um, you know, everybody's just out to support each other and have a good time. And I always say our races uh, look, the people at our races look like anyone you would see at Walmart at 3 a.m. in the morning. And you know the Walmart crowd, right? Yeah, those, like, when I look, when I look at that video, like, it was, like, it was so much people. I've never seen so many people in my life. And yeah. it was bigger than the James Brown concert. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so many people. It was yeah, it's. It's so much fun for me too to be the ringleader of all of that fun is really special. I, I pinch myself. You're a great you're a great speaker. Like how how like with speaking, like you have any speaking tips or podcasting tips? So I do, I do. I started at I did Toastmasters when I was in second grade. Are you familiar with Toastmasters? Yeah, I never got a part of it though. Okay, so you should. I believe it's very cheap to join. It's maybe 20 bucks a year or something like that. Anyone can join, but they teach you how to organize a presentation. And I think it's always very important when you get on a microphone to have some sort of organization. Now, I do not read it. I, I never use a script. I almost never use a PowerPoint. I speak off the top of my head because I'm an expert in my subject, but I always have some sort of organization. So that matters. And then you just have to practice speaking. And so this is what I do with my interns. Um, we practice removing the word like and um from their dialects. So sometimes we say, um, I'm going to go like to the park and like I'm going to roller skate and like do push ups and like, you know, you know, is another one. yeah, they're filler words. And sometimes people feel like they have to continue speaking, they just feel pressure to keep going. So they throw in a bunch of nonsense words instead of just taking a moment to pause. It's okay to think and be silent. My, my kids do it too. They just ramble on and it's almost as if they stop talking, they'll never get to talk again. So what we do is the 60 second drill and I'll ask my intern, I'll say, tell me about your favorite vacation spot or your favorite pet you've ever had. Something that's simple and comfortable for them to talk about. And then they have to make it through a 60 second window without using any of those filler words. And if I hear the word like, and they're not expressing affection towards something, I go, eh, start again. And we start with another 60 seconds. And so those things matter. 
they matter. They're, it's hard to do. And I'm a lot more eloquent in my professional life than I am in my day-to-day life. So when I'm on a, on a microphone, you'll almost never hear me stammer or use those filler words. If I'm just hanging out with my friends, I, I dumb it down and I use like a little too often and it bothers me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're more conscious about it. Yeah, it, it bothers me. And I think it definitely helps to ask your friends to get involved. Hey, if you hear me use the word like, buzz me, just remind me because you have to start making a habit of it. But when you say like, you sound uncommittal. You know, when I say I, I like, uh, you know, like the Buffalo Bills. Well, either do you like them or do you not? You can say I firmly, I like the Buffalo Bills or I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you like, you know, like them, do you really? So um, when you remove those words, you sound a lot more competent, a lot more confident. People are more likely to believe you and trust you. So those are my speaking tips. And then, you know, if you're presenting, unless it's on a grim, grim topic, speak with a smile. People are engaged by people who are happy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> How did you help? get into podcasting? That was good. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I started my podcast in 2016. And, you know, just as one of those things that became an opportunity to reach more people on my own platform and say what I wanted to say, you know, I'm the one who comes armed with a schedule, an agenda of things to speak about, I get to yammer on. And I've done some interviews with my podcast. But for the most part, my podcast is me telling people what I think. I do a lot of rants, but quite often I'm teaching about strength training or teaching about training for a triathlon or uh, eating to lose weight, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm an actual expert. So I have a lot of info to give. And then I give, I tell stories, stupid stories. My, do I have a lot of stupid stories to to share. And um, yeah, I, I actually slowed down with my podcast when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was a twofold day. I was tired and really, really sick. And I was saving my energy for either treatment or when I was traveling around doing the work I was being hired to do. And I also was shying away at the time of talking about myself. I didn't want to get into the weeds of what was actually going on because I was so sick. So over the past two years, since my diagnosis, I I think I've only put out six podcasts. So I have over a hundred overall and I'm very motivated to get back to doing it again. I'm starting to feel more like me and you know, that that's the next step of becoming a regular podcaster. Again, I think I, I get a little bit of a get out of jail free card because of the cancer, but I don't have the cancer anymore. And I stopped chemo in May, so I should probably get back on it. Right. Yeah, some people they go on hiatus like ten years and they come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I haven't jumped back in, but uh, I'm I'm being very productive in other ways. Yeah, you're doing amazing work out there, like with Thank the you. with the with the fitness. Thank you. I like that we're both wearing camo. I don't know if you noticed that, but I wear camo all the awesome, time. Where do you awesome. Where do you live, Paul? Louisiana. I knew that. How did I could just tell? Oh, and you're wearing the LSU hat. Yeah. <laughs> Go <Gators>. Symbolism. <laughs> Gators Pride. I remember mm-hmm. you, was, you was talking about that on your website, Gators Pride. Yeah, I love being a Gator. I have both my bachelor's and my master's degree from UF. But here's the deal. I'm a big supporter of the SEC. 
I think our conference is undoubtedly the best in the country. Definitely when it comes to football, no one, no one can touch us as far as the strength of our conference. So it's actually fun when we're not playing LSU or Tennessee or Alabama, it's fun to root for the other teams. Awesome stuff. So like I had a question about like what goes into being an announcer. And I also had a question about like when dealing with uh, someone with cancer, like when having a relative or someone that you know, like how can you support them? That's a great question. So I'll start with the announcer part. I think uh, the number one, not the number one, I think it's very important to be an athlete, to be a runner. Now I don't win any races, but I am a runner and I do participate in those races. And so I truly understand the sport and I identify with our athletes. So I'm able to empathize with them. And I take incredible care of them because I, I, I walk in their shoes. So sometimes a race will bring in some sort of news guy, you know, the meteorologist who's not afraid to be on a microphone. They bring him out. He's never done any sort of race in his life, yet he shows up and is talking like a weatherman. And that makes it a little bit awkward, right? So I think it matters to be a participant and understand the sport. And then for me, it matters to be enthusiastic about the work, confident and I'm very willing to throw myself under the bus and look ridiculous if it makes people laugh. If it makes them feel more comfortable or more excited, I am completely fine being uh, ridiculous. And that seems to help other people have a good time. So all of those things go a long way. Obviously, confidence and the ability to be poised on a microphone goes a long way as well. But uh, as far as race announcing goes, if someone wants to try it, I, I recommend showing up at a teeny tiny local race and giving it a go, asking a race director, say, hey, I'd like to do this for you and I'll do it for free. And, um, you know, at that point you start improving, you figure out where you, where you didn't do so great on day one, and then you do better the next time. And then as far as what you can do for a cancer patient. So there's a few things you could give monetarily, you know, sometimes financial hardships are a real issue if someone's uninsured or they just are out of work. Maybe they, uh, could use some gift cards to, buy gas for their car or food on the table or restaurants, things like that. Um, I like to give of time. Instead of saying, how can I help? Sometimes you just got to show up, knock on the door with a, a mop in the hand and say, I'm going to mop your floors for you today, or I'm going to mow your lawn because people, uh, life still keeps turning, even though you're getting poisoned every week on chemo. So um, it's important to pitch in and take care of those household chores provide meals. I think those are tremendous ways to support a person. I had friends that drove me around. You know, there were times where I was just too loopy. Uh, I wasn't safe to be behind the wheel. And so they drove me to appointments. More importantly, they drove my children to school or to activities, which really went a long way. And then last but not least, uh, my book is a great resource for newly diagnosed cancer patients or even people who have gone through it. It's called My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Running at the Mouth While Running for My Life. And, uh, you know, I wrote it for a few reasons. You know, as far as the running community goes, I go way behind the scenes on what it's like to do what I do and work with the people and host those events. So there's a lot of great juicy details on the run, but also I talk about maintaining perspective. You know, I never had a pity party. I, I cried a lot. 
I was incredibly stressed, but I never had that why me moment because I was grateful that I wasn't a child going through it. And it wasn't my child going through it. And fortunately for me, you know, I, I had a chance to fight where someone who has an aneurysm and drops dead doesn't have the chance. So perspective went a lot, uh, a long way for me, keeping passions involved with my life and then choosing to be positive because, you know, cancer's hard, cancer's scary. However, you get absolutely zero points for being the saddest girl in the room. So some people feel like they have to take on that woe is me persona, gee whiz, I have cancer. And, and I get it, it's hard. I cried my eyes out almost every day. But when someone said something funny, I chose to laugh, you know? And when I cried, I, I personally chose to cry most of the time in private. I would, I would get in my car and cry, or I would get in my bathroom and cry, and I just didn't want to burden other people. And again, that's a personal decision. But with this book, I teach people how to have mental fortitude while going through it. And, and then also I talk about all of the kind of juicy, gory details nobody on earth talks about. You know, with cancer, people say, hey, you might be sick, you might be tired, you might be bald. And I was those things, but I also had a bunch of wacky, wacky things go on. I had my eyes changed color. Uh, my fingernails literally rotted out on my fingers. They rotted on my fingers and they smelled like rotting fingernails. Uh, my legs, for some reason, were sore like I had climbed Mount Everest every single day for six solid months, which was incredibly hard to deal with while roaming through airports, you know? So I go into all the weeds. I talk about every gory detail about my experiences, the good, bad, and ugly. And my feedback from folks is that they do some crying, but they do far more laughing. And uh, that's important to me that people are able to, you know, have a good laugh at my expense and then hopefully lift themselves up from whatever hard, um, situation they're dealing with. And then, so if anyone wants to buy the book, it's available hardcover, paper, ebook. It's available wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, yada, yada, yada. However, if people come to my site, fitness.com, um, I autograph every last one of those books and they all come with a gift with purchase. So if you, if you're going to buy the uh, hard copy of the book, I'd love for you to do it directly through me so I could take good care of you with the inscription. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I, th I thank you for being on the show and you, you was able to go through all that and still announce and you still, you still have a powerful spirit and keep going. Well, you know what, when you do what you love, you find a way. And I did. I love what I do. I can't wait till I get to get back to work. Yes, ma'am. Are you going to do some more podcasting? I am. I am. In fact, I have a LinkedIn Live event on Thursday. So you could join me at 1.30 Thursday. Look me up on LinkedIn. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm going to mix up my actual podcast, bring back the fitness show. And then I'll be doing a lot more live streaming off of LinkedIn because I think that's uh, a good market for me. It's it's great talking to you. I, I appreciate you. I thank the listeners for listening, and uh, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks, it's, Paul. It was good spilling with you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Y'all can listen to me more on on free time, free spill, and every every Friday at one p.m. they'll be airing an episode. Thank you, Fitz. Bye, Paul. Bye.